and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, Fulham won, Liverpool won. We didn't enjoy that load, Reds, let's be honest with ourselves. Everybody's heads maybe falling off. We're trying to get back to a stage where we're trying to be reasonably level-headed about this, but let's see what this conversation descends into. Um, to have that conversation with me, I've got Andy Bell in Banger. Andy, this week? Indeed, yeah. Back home for Christmas now, which is nice. Uh, get to watch the football with uh, another human, which is nice, even if it is my dad, with his uh, dreadful opinions at times. But it's it's nice. It, it just, it's it's always worth having a bit of company. And yeah, I'm, I'm all good. I'm, uh, aside, football aside, things are looking up. Christmas is coming. The vaccine's coming. United are out of the Champions League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, can't complain too much. Yep, timed that well. Bars opened again in Belfast yesterday, so well played. Um, and yeah. also, yeah, and, and, and Liverpool's out of tier two, or out of the tier three at the same time. So double edged sword. Oh well, well, can't have everything. Can't have everything. Um, also, then in Berlin, Neil Patterson, Chase. How are you, sir? Aye, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, Getting ready for Christmas, like uh, like Andy says there. Not a great result, but uh, but sure we'll get into talking about it. And um, yeah, it could be worse. It could be it could be Arsenal. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Let's all let's all take a moment just to just to think about that and uh, assess where we are um, and thank our lucky stars for it. So, Chief, let's just let's just kick off here. It's it's not it's. To say it's not a great start, we're all over the place the first 30 minutes. Like, we're really all over the place. I put into the group after, like, five minutes, I think. This all looks frighteningly a bit Villa Park to me. Um, and so it transpired for the first half an hour. They could have... They probably could have they probably could have scored three times, I think, um, in the first half an hour. And... We're lucky it's only 1-0 by the time we actually get our act together. But for me, Chief, there's there's a bit of a concern here. Um, away from home, there is an alarming regularity that teams are able to break on us um, and get through the midfield, get through the midfield press. Um, it happened at Villa countless times. It happened in the, the first, you know, probably the first half an hour against Brighton as well, where Two or three good chances, and they could have scored before they got the penalty. Um, and again, we come away. We, sorry, before yeah, before they get the penalty that they miss, um, we come away with the one-one draw that day too. But did you see that today? And do you think that this is something that is triggered by the fact that we're playing away from home? Is it a personnel issue? Is it simply that we're all goosed? Um, and we've got like fourteen-year-olds and all on the bench. Are you worried about this? Um, well, it's obviously it's not um, it's not a positive trend. Like, so would be you know it'd be something that we could do with uh, putting a stop to as quickly as possible. Um, you know, it's not a you, you say we start really badly, and and we do. We're all over the place. First half an hour, we're absolutely nowhere. Um, and to be honest, you know, we, it's not like we create masses of chances second half, even though we absolutely control it and they just sit back and sort of hang on. 
we do carve carve a few chances for ourselves. Um, one notable one, which unfortunately um, their keeper makes a good save from Henderson's one. Um, I think if that goes in at that time, we we do go on and win the game. I think when we get the pen and and score that, I think we all think we'll probably somehow manage to to nick another one. That doesn't transpire, and ultimately, last ten or last five certainly, we're not very good. So that is a, a tad disappointing. Um, you know, I think there is something to be said for the for the um, tiredness, for the cumulative nature of the games, for the fact that it's now six. I think you want to bring it up anyway, but now it's six Champions League games in six weeks consecutively. Um, and, you know, that coupled with the Premier League um, commitments, along with the international breaks, has left players who play for top clubs um, decidedly tired and, of course, top clubs, squads, decidedly thinner than normal. Um, but that aside, I'm not too concerned because if you look at the away games, uh, as was posted by one of our friends in the group earlier, but even if you think about them yourself, if you go back to Watford, those away games are often dead rubbers or they've involved some kind of VAR hocus-pocus at the end to deny us wins. Um, the, the Derby being the most the most recent um, example I can think of. In fact, no, fuck that. Last week at Brighton being the most recent example of that madness. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's week in, week out, like whenever we're not winning away from home. So, so yeah, I mean... I'd, I'd say given everything, given the injuries, given the six Champions League games in, in six weeks, given the fixture pileup, given the um, the fact that we are... I mean, they did you see what they tried to do tonight with VAR? Like, I mean, they, they with the Fabinho one, and like they managed to find one angle that doesn't look like he clearly boots the ball, whereas you can see the ball move, and like from every other angle, he clearly boots the ball. Yet they managed to find one angle and try and focus on that to make it look like he doesn't. I mean, God knows what they're trying to do there. But we've definitely suffered from VAR this season. I think we know that. So given all these things, to still sort of be going at better than two points a game and to be at 25 points after... 12 and, and top of the league still is um is pretty good going but obviously as i said at the beginning it's it it's it's a trend you want to you want to put a stop to as quickly as possible so going out and winning the next away game would be would be pretty good yeah it would be good um the away form for me is concerning andy um i think chelsea chelsea away were absolutely dominant they look they look scared to be honest, uh, and we get the win, and we look good for it. Um, but since then, Everton were decent. Villa were shambles. Brighton's been mentioned. Um, and, you know, I don't know, what are your thoughts on why it took us so long to get going tonight? Um, because the 11 on the pitch, personnel-wise, it's strong. You know, it's it's very strong. It's pretty much everybody that you would want to see bar obviously the centre half issue, but we've now come to realise that everybody loves Joel Manup and Fabinho is the second best centre half in the world behind um behind Virgil van Dijk. So you know, do, do you have any thoughts? Is it is it just the fixture pile up or because the thing is I just 
I can't really explain in my head why there is such a stark um, contrast between our, our home performances and our away performances because they're night and day. Yeah, as you say, Dave, we are a completely different animal at home to away from home at the minute. Um, you look at those performances, uh, Leicester, the 3-0, Wolves, the 4-0. We've had some incredible performances at home this season where we've looked as good as we've, uh, we've played as good as we, we have under Klopp. Like that Leicester game, I thought was up, genuinely up there with our, our best performances in, in the last five years. I thought it was incredible. And then. Yeah, you would, you would call the statement performance that one. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And then you, you watch a game like this, and we just we just look at a completely different side. And yeah, we can talk about the factors like the the fixture pile up and the the injuries, obviously. And I'm sure the fact that 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 obviously Fulham have supporters back in the ground as well makes a difference. Having not played in front of supporters for nearly a year, do then have uh, I don't know if it's two or four thousand cheering them on, whatever tier they're in. Um, it must give them a massive boost and must give them a lot of adrenaline and, and that showed in their in their pressing early on and the fact that they were able to move the ball a lot quicker than what we were doing and with a lot more incisiveness as well but the thing that I just the thing I didn't really understand about it was like it was just so unlike Liverpool I mean we talk about bad performances in the past and things don't go your way or certain players are off it but like everyone was off it today and nobody was like showing for the ball nobody was making angles players were hiding i was i was pointing out like two or three times that um you know i think it was wijnaldum at one point and jones at another point first half and um you know trent alexander would have the ball out right and they'd just be standing behind a player not making a run forward not dropping back to, to give an option they weren't blocking off passing lanes defensively um, it seemed like every time we we were up the pitch, every time we were on the ball in their half, um, it seems that there was no space to make a pass into the front three. Whereas any time they were, uh, any time they had the ball, it was an easy pass inside and the loads of space, and they were able to create a chance. It was it was madness, and it was like paradoxical almost between the defence and the attack. Because as I say, when we, when we have the ball, we didn't seem to have many options, but yet when they broke on us they they seem to have they seem to have more players than us breaking and it's like where were all the players you surely you you have that balance where if there aren't many attacking options for you you've at least got players in the midfield to congest that make it awkward for them but it was just dreadful i think it was actually the first half hour was worse than any point of the villa game any uh, per performance we've had and you talk about the away form dave and it is concerning, and as 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 Chief points out, there are mitigating circumstances for that. There are dead rubbers. I think there's two City in there. There's two Everton. There's an Arsenal as well. There's a Chelsea, as you mentioned, which we win. So it hasn't been the nicest run of fixtures anyway. Um, but it is it is strange the fact that um, I don't know whether it's a mentality thing. It could be a mentality thing the other way around as well with. Uh, with teams able to make it, I mean, I don't know if this is true. The way everyone sort of says Wembley's a massive pitch, Craven Cottage seems to be like a tiny pitch, but that that could just be the perception you have of it because it's such a small, quaint ground. But yeah, it just made it so awkward for us, and we were neither here nor there. We weren't making it awkward for them, and we weren't uh, we weren't at our free flowing best either. It was it was such a strange performance, and just to, just to round up, like I I was watching the game with Dad, as I say, and. I kept saying, oh, like, they're, they're getting every second ball. The ball's bouncing for them. They're getting everything. Nothing's falling for us, you know? And that sort of feeling sorry for myself, or us feeling sorry for ourselves kind of way. But I think that there comes a point where if it's every second ball, if it's everything's falling for them, you, you can say it's not luck, it's sharpness. And 
you know, you have to talk about this game in the context of Wednesday night. Why does Trent play 90 on Wednesday night and only 70 here? Surely you reverse that. Um, why does Salah play the 90 midweek and then, he, he, well, he comes off with about 10 minutes to go here. I'm not sure whether that was like, I'm sure that was maybe more of a tactical thing, but there were players who didn't look sharp and it wasn't only the players who played midweek, like when Naldem I thought was really off today. I thought Henderson had his worst game of the season. It was very unlike him. And it could be to do with the fact they've travelled out there. It's not the it's not the longest distance to the north of Denmark, but you know, I'm sure some players could have could have done with staying at home and I don't know, just uh just everything seemed to everything seemed to be conspiring against us. V A R second day everything and uh, I actually thought we were quite lucky to get a point in the end, to be honest. Yeah, I think Fulham can probably be be hard done by. Um but Chief you know, I I feel personally there's there's a wider issue here, and there's been a whole pile of chat about fixtures and player welfare, and you know I think injuries are up something like thirty percent on this time last season, muscle injuries that is. Um, and looking at it tonight, Leicester aside, who had you know a fairly straightforward game during the week between Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea. Spurs and Arsenal. Um, there's one goal scored from open play between them, which is Keynes, which you know the keeper I think jumps out of the way off more than anything else. And the quality of the games between those those bigger sides, and you know, we can list them if 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 you want, but I think we all know the ones we're talking about. Um, they've been you know poor at best, and I don't know. My feeling is that the the additional fixtures and the lack of rest between games, and I think something that is really significant here that isn't talked about enough is the ability for managers to prepare their teams properly for the next fixture. And Scott Parker today had an entire week to prepare his game for Liverpool. Get his players in the right mind frame gets them physically in the right conditioning, um, look at umpteen videos, go and replicate what they want to do out in the training ground. Whereas what we're doing is we're, we're having a conversation, we're looking at some videos and it's pretty much like a couple of recovery sessions. And the quality, it's not there. And we can't, we can't have become a worse football side in six months. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's it. Um, you've just, I mean, you've just sort of explained exactly why it's likely that we're, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a drop off in terms of what we expect, perhaps. Um, but I mean, you, you know, you look at the games, you look at the scores, you look at the quality of football this weekend. It's been poor and it's been poor primarily from the teams that have played in Europe and they haven't been getting a minute, a day, a training day to focus on the opposition. They haven't been able to spend time sort of um, dedicated to the game plan for the next game. It, like you say, it's it's travelling back or if you play it at home, it's you know just getting back, getting into the training ground, getting your recovery sessions. How long have you got? You know, this time, okay, it was four days. But we played 100 minutes. The game got finished, what, 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. 
probably not back until midnight or after. So, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, game on Sunday. And it's every week, a reference in, in what was said earlier, that it's, you know, the, the Champions League weeks have been uh, back-to-back this time. So it is natural. I mean, I've, you know, I like to place it better too. And none of the big teams across Europe, or hardly any of the big teams across Europe, won. And the ones that did, didn't win comfortably this weekend. Um, you know, you've got uh, in, in, in Germany the likes of Dortmund and Bayern Munich um, not getting a result this weekend. Mönchengladbach not getting a result this weekend. Um, obviously, in, in, in the cha- in Premier League, you've got United and City drawing. You've got Chelsea losing. You've got Liverpool drawing. You've got Spurs drawing. Um, in Spain, you have... Um, you had Atleti losing, albeit to Real Madrid, but um, but still still losing. You have um, Real Sociedad, who've been top of the league there, um, drawing at, at a lowly at a lowly club away from home today. Sociedad obviously played in in Europe on Thursday night. Um, so you know, really only in Italy this 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 week it seems. Although I don't know what happened with AC Milan, they were losing. PSG <laughs> lost as well. PSG lost and then even Inter PSG have lost yeah and even Inter 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 1-0 down I think with 15 minutes to go and they managed to win 3-1 they've turned that round there you know so when they have won they've not won easily and a lot of big teams have have struggled this weekend and it is one of those things sometimes it happens you know we've talked about it before Um, you know off the back of European games it's difficult we always knew about the Thursday Sunday issue with, uh, with Europa League so, but I, you know, I, I would say that we've seen this before, um, once or twice with, with, with this Liverpool side. Um, and it's not to really, it's not to have a dig at them. I just think it's one maybe where, and it has to be said, where I think the biggest game of this season, as it is transpiring, is on Wednesday night. And they've qualified top of the group, got the Champions League out of the way last Wednesday night. Fulham was kind of this little thing that was in the middle, in the in the way almost, and I think that maybe the eyes been the eyes been maybe roving a little bit to Wednesday night, that maybe haven't approached this game for one reason or another. We've talked about the the, the quick turnaround, the lack of preparation time, but also perhaps looking at at Fulham's results and and thinking, well, this should be this should be all right. We'll just turn up, and we'll get the results, and and then on the Spurs, and I think there's a little bit of that. There's a wee bit of complacency, obviously the preparation time, as I mentioned, but you know there are mitigating circumstances, and this is one of them where you're happy to get the point because, as Andy says, we're lucky to get the point. We're lucky to get the point in a way, and I know exactly what he means, and I know exactly what Johnny Henderson meant as well when he put in the in the, in the chat earlier that Fulham should have scored their chances at the start and so on. But the way I look at it is they were probably never likely to do so and they can't believe that they got those chances. They're over the moon to be 1-0 up at halftime, um, whereas we're going, fuck me, how are we only 1-0 at halftime? And at halftime, you're looking at that basically going, Liverpool should have enough to go on and win this. The fact that we don't manage it in the second half, well, that's another it's another story. But, it, you know, Fulham are very, very happy with 1-1. Scott Parker's walking off their punch in the air. So, you know, don't, don't anyone be be fooled. 
they thought they had no chance of that, and we've given them a chance, and that's not great. But you know, we should we should have we did enough, and we should have done enough to win in the end. And it's one of them where, in another season, you you win that game two one, or you win that game one nil, and it's one of them. Um, but you can you can't be brilliant every week. So what I'm saying is you're in danger of sort of reading a little bit too much into certain things, and perhaps we had our eye on on the bigger prize, which I think is Spurs on on Wednesday night. Yeah. So. I, I totally take your point, Chief. Um, it's a big game, and I think you know there's there's less pressure on that game as well. The way the other results have gone um, this weekend, um, with just just so few options. Um, even you know, look at the bench tonight. You've got Phillips, Williams, and Kane on the bench. Um, Oxford Chamberlain, who the fact that he didn't come on makes me think that he was literally there just to sit on the bench and make up the numbers because we didn't have anybody else, really, looking at the other guys that were on. And and we've, we've got Origi coming on to see of the day, and it's just doesn't really... It's not really working out like, like it used to, is it? Um, another player conspicuous by his absence yet again, Andy, is uh, Nabi Kaida. It's For me, it's getting to the point now where there's not really a lot of point talking about his quality because we all know his quality's there, but it doesn't matter if you're the best player in the world. If you can't get on the pitch consistently, then what really is the point? What's the point in play- paying that player a wage? Because at the minute, you know, we talk about rhythm and how important it is, particularly as a club. We've talked previously, you know, about relationships and how important they are on the pitch. He has no time to do either of those. I think the, the point you mentioned there about, yeah, there is going to have to be a conversation at some point as to whether these guys taking up a place, taking up a wage, um, and pretty much being perpetually unavailable, um, whether that's actually doing us more harm than what the quality they bring. Um, would we be better off looting them? Would we be better getting somebody else in who, of course, you're taking a risk. We know Nabi Kaida uh, has quality, but... Um, yeah, it's at at this point it's like it's ridiculous. I, mean, I think we talked about it on a podcast maybe two or three weeks ago, and since then he's had two injuries. Like he had the injury last week, and now he's an injury again. Uh, it's it's kind of like in the same bracket as Mathip. Um, you know, Mathip's pretty much the same with injuries, and can you be bothered getting rid of them and then having to find the quality again? What if you have you know buy a disaster and and. All of a sudden, you've you've somebody who's fit all the time, but it just isn't good enough. And you've got two players there who are definitely um, who are definitely good enough when they play. It's as as it's as I say, whether their unavailability does us more harm in the fact they are taking up a space, they are taking up a wage, they are taking up a, a spot in squads. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought today we at times we could have really done with him. I thought certainly in the first half, I said to my dad, you know, we, we could have done with Keita here. Uh, I thought June's second half, to be fair, uh, really really stepped up. I thought he was really good second half, um, in that sort of Keita role where he's the the third man in midfield and he's linking it and he's, you know, he was taking on players and finding passes and and and, and breaking lines and being the one to break the the midfield defence down of Fulham, which was pretty staunch all night, but uh, I thought Jones sort of stepped into that role, and I, I think I said maybe on the post-Michilan podcast that uh, I thought Jones would do one and Naby would do the other this week, obviously before I knew about the injury, um, and I thought we were, like, 
we we could have really done with Naby against Tottenham, but the way Jones has played there tonight makes me think, no, he actually can do the Naby Keita job against Tottenham. He can be the man who, and that that's arguably the most important position on the pitch against Tottenham um, on Wednesday night. That third man in midfield, because that, as I say, if you go with like the Brexit midfield, for example, Henderson with Alden Milner, then you you know we all know what's going to happen there. It's going to be a turgid game. Mourinho's going to. Um, Mourinho's going to be able to get a, a nil-nil or if he gets his, his nose in front we're going to struggle to break them down whereas we do need that player who's going to break the lines and uh, have a lot more confidence in Jones after the last couple of games compared to maybe when we all spoke against after after the game against Sheffield United um, or was it West Ham maybe where he, he didn't have a particularly good game he, his use of the ball was a little bit immature at times he still thought he was in the under-23s where he was the guy who got the ball and just bent one in the top corner Whereas I think his game's really matured and improved over the last few weeks. And as I say, um, if the midfield on Wednesday night is, uh, excuse me, is Henderson, Wijnaldum and Naby Keita, or sorry, and uh, Curtis Jones, then I'll be happy enough with it. Um, and I'll back Jones to do that job. Uh, I thought Taki Minamino actually played really well when he came on. I think that's one of his best performances for us. Um, without doing anything sort of spectacular. And I know he did give the ball away a couple of times. And there were a couple of times where... Maybe played the safe option rather than playing somebody in, but I thought he, he did exactly what we needed of him, uh, which was just recycling it. He was constantly recycling the ball, finding the right pass and moving the ball from side to side, which is what you need to do against a team like that, um, where there is no space, where it is a small pitch, um, where they are making it very awkward for us. And he really got his foot on the ball, was able to spread it, was able to recycle it, and, and brought a lot of calm into that midfield with where... You know, when Alden was offering nothing, Henderson seemed to be going for the long ball to the back post every time, which wasn't working, which frustrated the life out of me. And yeah, um, as much as I think we were talking to the pre-pod there, like it's mad how at, at the start of the season we were saying with all these central midfielders, they're all going to be unhappy because we're going to only play three of them at once, whereas we're now right down to the bare bones with them. But I think the, uh, as I say, the stepping up of Jones and, um, well, who knows if that, that's just sort of a flash in the pan from Taki today or whether that's, um, the level of performance he's going to be able to provide for us in that midfield role going forward. Um, it's not as bad as, as what it maybe could have been if uh, either of those players' development didn't go uh, as they have gone. But yeah, um, on Keita, it's, it's, as I say, it's, uh, it's just a question of whether him, him taking up a spot um, is actually being more harmful and taking up a wage or um, because it's at this point, it, it is ridiculous. It's like the last couple of weeks he's come in for a game and then he's been injured again he's come in for a game again and um you know the club do try and protect him as they do with uh with all injured players they'll say you know he'll be out for a couple of weeks and then they'll stay quiet on it and before you realize it's three months down the line and we still haven't seen them in any training photos and the navigator is probably the best example of that but um yeah i don't know i feel like we're, we're probably we're having the conversation every week we're probably going to continue to have the conversation every week and it's frustrating because we know he has quality um and, and yeah that's the most frustrating thing but yeah uh there all i can say on that is there is going to have to be a decision to be made at, uh, at some point on both matip and uh, on keita because we can't rely on them yeah i think matip's a slightly different case there because you know he comes in for free he's he's um he's done a decent job he has had spells at, at, at you know six months where he's he's, he's kneeled down you know at, 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 a position and he's playing week in week out and he's contributing consistently over a period of time. And I just, we just really haven't seen that from Kyle. True, true, but there there is a point as well where like it's 
I know he's he's had runs and he he stays fit pretty much that whole Champions League run. He's brilliant in that Champions League run and in, uh, at the start of 2019. But how you know say say Matip is out. We don't know. We haven't had any news on on Matip yet as we're recording. But say he is out for Wednesday night. Um, and we're in a situation where a Phillips or a Williams plays or a Henderson plays centre half, and Spurs go and win two nil, uh, and we come back to this at the end of the season, um, and, and we've lost the league potentially on that game by a few points because we've had to play these mad players at centre half at times. Then you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, we need to bolster centre half because clearly we can't rely on these players. But you know, how do you convince somebody to come in? And you're not going to com- convince somebody to come in and play fifth choice. Um, and say right, well, when Joel Matip's injured, then you come in. You know, you're not going to get any quality in that in that mold unless you find an absolute gem of a young player somewhere. Um, and players like that, you know what I mean? It's uh, there is a. It's not just a simple case of well, he's he's brilliant, so when he's fit, uh, we use him, and when he's not, whatever. Um, because you'll come to a point where you're really threadbare, and that's because players don't want to join you because uh, they know they're going to be behind him in the pecking order, even if. He is injured all the time. Those players will get their chances. So it is complicated and there, there will probably have to be a decision made because, you know, we're looking at, we're, I'm, I don't mean to jump ahead to Wednesday night, but we are looking at potentially having to play either Henderson Phillips or Reese Williams in there, which terrifies me, to be honest, against yeah. Harry Kane. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a terrifying prospect and, and the injuries, you know, they've, they've, They've wreaked havoc this season. They really have. You know, they've with with players playing all all over the place, um, out of position. We're 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 pulling in boys that we've never even heard of before. You know, get we're probably going into classrooms and asking the teacher, can we have a word with somebody and ask him, you know, is he doing anything on Wednesday night? Um, does he want to go to Denmark or Azerbaijan or wherever? But you know, the one bright spot from this whole. Injury catastrophe has been, you know, Andy mentioned Curtis Jones, and the West Ham game's a good example. But I think the other one is is the Ajax game where he plays the first half and he gets hooked, and we're all wondering, you know, was that a plan that Henderson Henderson only play forty five, and you know maybe we'll get a couple up, and we don't have to use him, but he looked way, way, way below the level that we we needed him to be at, but. In actual fact, he's played far more football than anybody expected him to play. And it looks as though both him and, more importantly, the club are starting to now reap the benefits of that because he looks to have grabbed that chance with both hands. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's um, he's the best player on the pitch tonight. And... I think that's a testament to him now. He doesn't look out of place at all. He's played, as you say, much more football than we all expected. I think we all expected him to be certainly around the first team pretty much every week, but I don't think we necessarily expected him to be getting as many starts in, in league and Champions League. Um, and he's very much, I mean, obviously the injuries play a part now, but he's very much, um, in that first 11 on merit and certainly, certainly in the first 13 on merit. And, you know, as you say, he's grabbed the chance and he has come on leaps and bounds. He's very unlucky today. He has a great run and, you know, he, he should probably put Mane through and then it just opens up for him at the last minute. He decides to go ahead and take the shot, and just kind of pulls it a little bit and allows the keeper to save it almost. Um, and it would have been a wonder goal. It would have been an absolute wonder goal and it would have been 2-1 because um, it was after the penalty. 
and uh, or at least I think it was. So um, you know, it, it, you know, we could have been sitting here tonight talking about you know an absolute. He's been an absolute hero. He's he's, he's dug us out. He's won us the game. Uh, unfortunately, that that isn't the case. But he like. Like I said, he was man of the match for me. I mean, you mentioned Fabinho, and I think um, you mentioned... Taki comes on. Well, this is the other point there, Chief. Minamino comes on, and he does... I think he does really well. I agree with Andy. I, I, think, I, I think he does well. I think he's neat and tidy. I think he's, he, he, there's a bit of punch from him. There's a bit of desire from him to, to sort of try and make things happen. He has a bit of energy. I think he's involved a lot. He's 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 integral to the chance that Henderson ends up getting that we referenced earlier. Um, I think he does very very well, um, given the situation that he's he's put on into, and given the fact that not that many around him were playing that well. But I think for me, certainly when I was watching the game and and you know thinking about it afterwards, the standout player on our side was was definitely for me Curtis Jones, and I think he did everything that he. That was required of him, um, with without any without any real difficulties, shall we say, with a plum and 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 a few other things on top, you know, which which were extra. And I think generally he can be he can be happy not just with his performance today, but with his, with the progress that he's made since the start of the season. Um, so yeah, absolutely, and really happy for him because he always talked a good game, but uh, he's walking the walk now, so. Yeah, he's walking the walk, and he has benefited from those opportunities. There is now, Chief, maybe a slight, there's maybe a glimmer of opportunity for Minamino because there hasn't been a lot of opportunities for him. Um, the manager seems reluctant almost to use him at times, I feel. I don't know whether that's because... <sighs> to me, Minamino, it's weird. When I watch Salzburg play, it's almost like if we had assigned him three years ago, he could have been our best player. If we had assigned him three years ago, when we were swashbuckling, box to box, manically unpredictable. Um, but what we're asking him to do now is come into a side that's going to have the ball, maybe you know, 65-70% of the football match. And you're going to have to penetrate midfields, penetrate deep line back fours. Um, and that is not exactly what he has been used to. Um, even if you look at the, the game that uh, at home against Salzburg, you know we we we're we're open enough at the back and the space in behind. He just doesn't play a lot of play. A lot, we just don't play a lot of teams like that. But there's going to be opportunities for him now. Can he take it? Are we going to maybe see him in a more withdrawn Curtis Jones sort of role, Jenny Wijnaldum sort of role? Is that really his only pathway into this side to develop his game in that respect? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. In that, um, he would have been perfect um, for that side, the team that liked to score a lot of goals and you know that that heavy metal football and all that. And and we are very very different now. Actually, it's it's quite uh, it's 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 quite stark. You know, if you look at us now, if you, and you look at a match we played, say 2017-18 season, there's a there's a big big difference. And when you're when you're sort of watching it all up close, it's it's perhaps difficult to appreciate it. But um, when you take a step back and and think about it, um, it's it's quite apparent. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, 
I think there's a little bit maybe in terms of um, in terms of perhaps his strength, the physicality of the league. I think it's taken it. Klopp is, is not necessarily convinced that he can he can handle that against certain teams, perhaps. Um, I think, as you mentioned earlier, we don't really play with a ten, and he seems to be. Almost an archetype, if if not an archetypal ten in the Pablo Imar sense, then certainly that 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 tip of the diamond, um, uh, midfielder that that uh, Andy was referencing earlier, um, you know, very he, he he just looks like that's where he wants to play, you know, dropping into that that little hole. He looks very accomplished there as well. He's got neat touches. He's got great link up. He's got decent vision. Um, but he's all about those little give and goes and one twos on the edge of the box and stuff like that. And today it almost worked out for him because obviously Fulham sat back. And you know when you really do come up against that tightly, tightly packed defence that just wants to sit in there, then then he, I think he's a, a could be a very proved to be a, a very very useful player. Um, the question is. How often do you really come up against that? I mean, we all, we all, it seems like the conventional wisdom would have us believe that that, that happens a lot, but I'm not convinced that it necessarily does away from home, certainly. I mean, I think we're making a habit of going behind at home and then maybe teams are sort of trying to sit back and, and then we, you know, we pen them in for a bit and then we find our, our way through and then we, we end up winning the game, but, it's not that common that we go one one down away from home and, and teams kind of sit in there and, and that sort of happens. It's, it's maybe, you know, finding finding the situation to to properly utilise him. I mean, I don't think Klopp's quite found that yet because certainly when he came, I mean, he's been with us a season, not a full season, isn't it? Um, Or more. Pretty much. Well, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I suppose it's last January. Yeah, last January. She's been with us a full season. Obviously, the corona situation hasn't really helped them settle at all. Um, so that's got to be difficult. It's got to slow things down quite substantially, quite significantly. Um, yeah, maybe it's just a little bit of that. Maybe it's just, you know, I, I certainly think the physicality is an issue and has been an issue. I think he's probably getting that sorted out. Um, but yeah. Um, the system hasn't necessarily suited him either, and maybe it's just one where Klopp doesn't quite know, as I've said, quite doesn't quite know how best to to get the best out of him at the moment. Um, but certainly with all these injuries and the situation we're in now, the number of games he must he must get more chances over the next few weeks. You would, well, for his you would sake, think, wouldn't you? you mean, yeah, you would think. You, it's not like we've got fucking. It's not like we've got boys coming off the conveyor belt, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's um, it's Oxley Chamberlain tonight on the bench, but we don't really know how far away he is. You've got no real idea. Yeah, he's in training, but you know, you don't want to throw Oxley Chamberlain in against against Spurs, do you? He's he's the same rusty. It's a long time out, and it takes it takes three four weeks at minimum to get back up to that sort of sharpness that you want that we didn't see for the first 30 minutes today absolutely and I don't think you, you bring him back against Spurs anyway just he's former he's ex-Arsenal isn't he and first game back I know it depends where he is but you don't want to lashing in another tackle and fucking you know doing himself again 
No, I don't really want him. I don't really want him, you know, running about with Hoiberg and Sissoko in the pitch either. So I'll do without that. Andy, where do you stand on Minamino? I've said pretty much all I I need to say there. But do you feel that there needs to be a reinvention of his game in order for him to find find a position in this Liverpool team? Because I feel that he is going to have to change how he basically readapt himself as a footballer to to find a pathway into this side. Yeah, I mean, I with me, I mean, it's kind of like he he came in last January um, when we you know when we were I think we'd won eighteen and draw, and drawn one away to United, um, and he came into that side and you were, at the time we sort of thought is he going to play out wide for us? He's certainly going to be a very forward-thinking player, and we'd seen him. I think he plays. Does he play out in the right? I think at Anfield uh, for Salzburg earlier in the season. I think he maybe does. Um, and he's he certainly does a lot of this good work out that right hand side. Yeah, I seem. To, I think I seem to remember him like sort of cutting inside. And I think it, it it was pretty obvious straight away when he came in for Liverpool that he wasn't going to be easy. He's not the type of player that's able to play out wide for Liverpool. Maybe for Salzburg, where. Um, I don't know. It's you're not as reliant on pushing them back, and it's slightly more maybe of a technical style of play. Uh, I'm no Austrian football expert, but that's the way it seemed to me. Whereas with us, it's kind of like, especially when you've got Firmino in that central role, uh, who isn't the quickest. Um, he's not. He's not. It's not really his game to run in behind and um, kind of the way like a, a Timo Werner or somebody does or an Aubameyang. But um, I always think when. When you're playing Firmino, you need pace either side of him. That's why Salah and Mane works so well with him. And like maybe when, say, uh, a Shakiri um, is playing on one of the sides, Firmino looks slightly more ineffectual, and we, we look slightly more ineffectual as a team. And I think Minamino ties into that because, like Bobby, he's not the quickest player, so I don't really see how he plays out wide for us. And I thought the way he was playing, and from what I'd seen at Salzburg, he was the the backup to Bobby. He was a guy that could come in and, and, and do the Bobby things. and um, we haven't really had a chance to see him do that with Salah and Mane either side of him. That's the thing that frustrates me the most. And sometimes I think I'm making excuses for him, saying, "Well, he hasn't played with the absolute best players or whatever." And you know, I understand that, but I I do like him. Um, I do sort of like the way he plays, but there is a worry that he could come in just for 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 two or three years and never really do anything tangible for us. Obviously, this new midfield role we're seeing him in, I think. He kind of got lost away to Brighton. Uh, today, I thought he was a lot better. Maybe the fact that he was sat on the bench for a half and was able to suss the game out and see where he could come in and do it rather than being thrown in from the start, rather than having that initial press and the pressure we were under uh, where he could have got lost in it a little bit. But I don't know. I think, yeah, as Chief says, physicality is a big issue. Um, I think it is for a lot of players who come in. And, you know, we could see that. Um, I think we're starting to maybe see that improve. And, Excuse me. We could see that in the next uh, in the next sort of six months or so, and he wouldn't be the first player uh, in Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool uh, tenure who uh, hasn't had the most glamorous start and has come in and done a real good job for the team. Obviously, we'll need to look to to Andy Robertson for for another example of that. But yeah, uh, it's a difficult one. I almost think that rather than playing up front, it sort of goes against the grain of what you think. But playing in midfield, you maybe don't need to actually be as physical as you are when you're playing up front for a Liverpool side and receiving the ball where you're back to goal and having two centre-halves snapping at your heels uh, and having to you know ping the ball out to Salah or Mane or whatever it is. And 
Um, I always think you, you maybe need to be more physical for that than you do to play in midfield at times, um, which goes against sort of the traditional thinking of how football should work. But yeah, let's see. I'm sure he is going to get opportunities. I mean, our, our Christmas schedule isn't actually as, uh, isn't actually as wild as, as what it has been in previous years. There's always that game in between or the set of games sort of around the new year where very often you're playing two games in three days. And um, we don't have that. I think we've actually the, the longest time off in between with an eight uh, with an eight day break I think which is unheard yeah, with, of with, with an eight day with an eight day break now but between West Brom on the twenty seventh and uh, Newcastle on the thirtieth I think we've actually the longest break of any team in between those two windows because um, remember that game remember that time I think maybe Klopp's first season or second season uh, where uh, we're, we'll play David Moyes' Sunderland a couple like literally it was a day's rest and then playing them. Um, and we don't have that. And then, so, so you're looking at eight days, as you say, uh, after Palace. And then you're looking at the longest break of any team uh, between West Brom and Newcastle. And then you've got the FA Cup where, you know, maybe he didn't want to throw the kids in in Europe. Maybe he didn't want to disrespect the Champions League as much. But I could see, I'd be surprised if like any, there was any of this nonsense of Jota, well, not Jota, Salah playing 90 minutes, Manny playing 90 minutes in the FA Cup. I'd say that literally will be, um, the reserves plus anyone who needs the minutes in their legs, maybe a Minamino, maybe somebody like that. But yeah, um, I don't know if we'll, we'll necessarily see that much of a move the Christmas period just because it's not as congested as, as it has been. Uh, or certainly the fixtures have fallen our way, as I've been saying. But um, he is going to get his opportunities. Obviously, you know we don't know if we're going to go through in the FA Cup, but if we are, uh, and we're still in Europe, we're more or less playing every midweek, uh, and that's not even taking into account replays and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll see him. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him a good bit. He'll get his chances over the course of this season. I'm not sure we'll see loads of him necessarily over the next month, though. Um, like it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't yeah. start a game until Villa away. Yeah, that's, that's 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 maybe the way we'll see it. But Chief, it's you know it's it really is bare bones at the minute, so you just don't know. Um, Nabby's out perpetually. Jago, I think, died a couple of months ago. I think he's just dead. I don't know. I think there's eulogies being written about him at the moment. Um, we've also obviously got the issues at centre half. Matter I would say it's unlikely um, to be available for for Wednesday night because. Well, because it's mad up. Sean is now out for two months as well. I'm sure I have forgotten a couple of players. Um, never mind that the ones that we have are all absolutely goosed. But <sighs> Wednesday night, Chief, it's Spurs. It's at home, which always makes me happy. But this is going to be a really interesting game of football because this is a team that wants the other side to have the football. And we want to have the football. And for all of my praise about... Um, sorry, for, for all of our criticism of tonight, certainly first half hour, uh, the Fulham side being able to play through us, at home, we are, I think, the best side at preventing counterattacks in the league. Um and this weird thing that happened at Villa that seems to have kind of trickled over into the likes of the Brighton and the um, the game tonight for, for half an hour is a concern. But at home, we're not that side. And this is this could be a case of two, you know, when two immo- immovable forces come up against each other sort of a match. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously the big one. As it's beginning to transpire, Tottenham look to <coughs> me like the most serious contender at the moment, I would say. Chelsea, they're there about City, they're on reputation, but this season they look miles off, in my opinion, anyway. Don't wanna, don't wanna, like, you know, people probably disagree with that, that that's absolutely fine. But on evidence, going back last season, looking at their stats, looking at their stats going through this season, they aren't gonna finish second, I don't think. So, certainly at the moment, you know, when we played Chelsea, that was the biggest game of the season. And now this, and we played City, that was the biggest game of the season. Now we're playing Spurs. They're second, or they're first, we're second. Goal difference separate. That's the biggest game of the season. So, it is important. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to have to be good. Um, they, their style, our style suits them. Shall we say, they will, as you say, they want to sit back. They want to hit us on the break. They want to capitalise on any mistakes. They want to capitalise on any set pieces they might be able to, um, you know, gain an advantage from. And most certainly they want to turn us over and, and hit us like they did to Arsenal, um, like they did to City, um, and like they're very capable of doing. And they did six times to Southampton. So, uh, who, funnily enough, you know, we, we were maybe going to have what we mentioned of as well as being one of the form teams in the league and, you know, mentioned to them for their, for the season they're having so far. I know um, we can say all, all we want to say about United Chief, but did it six times United as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a very important game. I, I referenced earlier that I think we probably had half an eye on, uh, on Spurs. And that's why we were so lackluster today. I think that's the game that's uh, preoccupying the minds of um, everybody concerned with, with Liverpool Football Club at the moment. And I think you'll see us go out and try to put in the kind of performance um, and display that you've seen against Leicester already, that you've seen against um, Chelsea already this season. Uh, you saw against uh, Everton in the opening 20 minutes of Goodison Park before they practically well you know what happened um and why that happened so uh i think you'll see that liverpool you know i think we know that liverpool you can take it back a few seasons to when we needed to beat hoffenheim to get through in the in the in the in the champions league that year and we turn up and we're three goals up in 15 minutes that kind of that kind of side uh i think you'll see us go out and try to um Stamp authority on the game, and and we will be a level or two or three above what you saw today. I think that's in us. I think that's in this team anyway. I think when we need to win a game, when we need to put a marker down, we do it. I think you can look at Leicester for that, and and you can look at them again last season uh, for that. Um, and I think I've referenced Chelsea already, and so on and so on. When 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 we need to get a result, we get one. And, and not in the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when you need to save me from the sack, you get a result. But, but actually when we need, we need to win a game because it matters, uh, in terms of a trophy or it matters in terms of getting points on the board. So I would fancy us, as you say, we're at home. That puts, you know, that puts us very much in the, in the box seat given our record, um, which we have discussed, not just 
our current team's record at Anfield, but also our record at Anfield against Spurs over the years. Um, so I would, you know, I'm confident going into the game. Matip is a worry. Matip not being there is a worry. The fact that it's a back spasm perhaps is something that could be controlled. Uh, perhaps it's something that won't keep him out for the game on Wednesday. Um, I'm hopeful of that. Otherwise, the team is going to pretty much pick itself. As we've said, we're, we're very threadbare. Um, you know, Trent, the back, the back five is going to be the back five. Um, if Matty can't start, then you're looking probably at Phillips. Um, there's a discussion over whether you bring in Henderson there, but he hasn't really ever done that from the start. Um, so I don't know. I'm not convinced he'll do it. I, th- I, I'm hope, I hope Matip is fit enough and I, my belief will be that he will start. Um, we're talking about Kaida. It doesn't seem like he'll be fit for midweek. Thiago, as you mentioned, is, 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 is six feet under. Um, so we are threadbare in midfield and obviously with Diogo, uh, being out for two months, as you've previously referenced, we've only got the front three. Um, so it will be as you were. Um, so not too many surprises there, I don't think. Uh, it'll just be a question of whether Maddox fit, and I hope he is. Uh, but I think we have enough, and I think we'll make a point of showing that we've got enough to uh, to, to to get the job done. Yeah, I, I'm kind of swaying towards that myself. You you are right, Chief. It's it's those games that it's those games that really matter when we really need to go out and make a statement. And and Chelsea, I think you know, given our given our away form. Chelsea's Chelsea's a, a massive victory. Um, people can throw stats around Chelsea's results against the, the top side, which is fair enough. But we absolutely dominate them, and we do the same to Leicester. We do the same to Wolves. City, I think, for the first half of all, we're absolutely irresistible. Um, but our legs fall off. Andy, this one, it's different because it's Jose, and you know we've all we've seen it before. We've seen this film. You know, we've watched this movie about a million times. Um, it's a back six. Um, Bergwijn's playing. You know, he, he plays with an with an outside an outside right back and an inside right back, and the same on the other side. So this, it's not going to be pretty. It really isn't going to be pretty. I don't know what the lineup is going to look like, but I might suggest that this might actually be a game for Minamino. I don't know. But we need people who have an eye for a pass, quick feet, who are good in the press. And I think I saw some ridiculous stats against Midtjylland that made me know most presses on the pitch, 37 or something. Like that's like that's one every two minutes or something nearly. Well, actually, it's probably about one every five minutes, given how long the game went on. But you, you get my point. So I don't know. What sort of side do you see? And you know, what do you think will come out with a victory? I'm so nervous for this one, like I really am. Uh, obviously, Mourinho plays a massive factor in that, and the fact it's a top-of-the-table clash over a third of the way into the season. It's one of those where um, we all know what Spurs are like. We all we all kind of have watched them over the last few weeks. It's defensive, it's contain the other team, it's don't give anything away at the back. Um, and it's Kane and Son up front, who are, who are just really, really, really good players. Uh, they have so much quality. Uh, and they can produce a moment of magic either individually or between themselves. And they, you know, if 
they do get a chance and they go one nil up, I think we'll be in a little bit of trouble. Um, I think maybe you said in the pre-pod, Dave, that the a Mourinho side is the is the worst side to go one nil down against, and they're almost like a they're almost like Atletico Madrid these days, except with a bit more quality up front. I would say I, I don't think Atletico Madrid have a player like Kane or Son. Um, I don't know how Joao Felix or whatever is doing, but it, it it does seem like that. It seems it's it's that difficult to create a chance against them, especially if you're one of the top sides and. Uh, they do, you know, as you, as you say, play with a, the inverted right back and the, uh, you know, the the proper wing back, whatever. Um, you know how he's gonna set up. You know, Hoybjerg and and Dombele or Sissoko or all of them are gonna play in front of the back th- uh, the back four and pretty much not move. Or you know, it's it's gonna be so it's gonna be a difficult game. And my thing on it is that because it is a top of the table clash, because it is Mourinho. And the fact that we do have 2,000 supporters in, I think the longer the game goes nil-nil, the more likely I'd back us to get a goal and nick it. Uh, so I think one of the big things in this game is going to be maybe don't go hell for leather at the start. Don't be too naive at the start um, because the the potential disaster of going 1-0 down and how the game plays out then uh, maybe isn't worth the reward um, is what I would say on that. And like if you offered me right now nil-nil in 70 minutes, I'd take it because I think at that stage we do get a goal. We do whether we're attacking the cop and the cop and the, sorry, the cop suck the ball in. Um, that's something I could say. I could just see, you know, like a um, a Mane goal, 75th minute cop goes absolutely wild. You know what I mean? I could see a game like that. I, whereas if they go 1-0 up, who knows what happens? We all know how difficult they are to play against and Mourinho, we all know what he's like. We we all know he's going to be absolutely busting to get a result here. Um, I said on the podcast, I think it was going to be the first podcast I did with you guys, I said that um, I don't think Spurs are a threat because of the fact they're so reliant on Kane Son to, to get them the goal up and uh, to give them a lead to protect. Whereas, actually, I haven't had a look at it. I hadn't really done my research. Um, and... I think I mentioned in that podcast that the fact they were playing Europa League and I think one week they had to play a League Cup game and a Europa League game and it was all a bit mental and but haven't had a look at it. Like the teams they're putting out in the Europa League really aren't um anything near their first team. Um I saw Kane and Son have come on a couple of times last half hour when they need a goal, but really Kane and Son have been getting the full week off in between games and my only thing on it is, does Mourinho's ego take over? Does Mourinho look at it? And obviously there's a big hoo-ha about the fact that Spurs haven't won a trophy since the 1700s. And does he look at it and maybe uh, there comes a point in the season where, say, there's two or three teams going for the title. Spurs are maybe four or five points behind it. and They're in a Europa League semi-final. Does Mourinho then look at that and think, right, well, Europa League's pretty easy to win for me here, so I'm just going to put everything into that and then no matter what happens in the league, I'm hailed as the hero who finally won Spurs a trophy and the whole winner narrative, the winning mentality, whatever, that could take over. Um and that would be that would be sort of Mourinho's ego playing into that. You know, we all know how uh we all remember that famous season at Man United where he was like telling all the players to hold the three fingers up as if they'd won some sort of treble. It was like the community shield Europa League and League Cup or something. It's like um for the team that had a banner uh Taking the taking the piss out of our two thousand and one treble, like it was it was really uh how the mighty have fallen. But we know what Mourinho's like, we know what he's uh he pretends to make these trophies out to be 
bigger than they are and so it all plays into the winning trophy winning mentality and the um the narrative around him but that's the only thing that i could say that maybe would go against spurs do they start taking it more seriously um as they progress in the europa league and it looks like an easier competition to win but as for wednesday night sorry you mentioned minamino um i don't think we'll see him from the start i think we see the same team um obviously depending on uh how matip is I think we more or less see the same team. I don't really see who you drop from Minamino in that scenario. Um, you know, Henderson, you, of course, you want, I, th- I thought he stunk the place out today, but you want them in. I think he's been brilliant this season in general. Wijnaldum, same thing. Um, probably is a really important player against the Mourinho side to retain the ball, to break up attacks, um, and to make sure we don't get caught at any point. And I think Curtis Jones has earned himself a start. Assuming Naby Keita isn't fit, I think Curtis Jones has, has uh, showed today that he can break the lines, that he can take a player on, that he can create the chance. And that's uh, that's what I'd look to do again. Definitely Minamino off the bench. Um, you know, if it's as I say, if it, if it is nil-nil or if we are one-nil down, um, it'd almost maybe be like first sub, I'd say. Uh, I'd certainly rather see him before I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Origi uh, or anyone else come on. So, yeah, um I mean, I thought, yeah, his decision-making was good today, Minamino. Uh, a lot of the time, I know it sounds basic, but we were taking too many touches. Uh, we weren't moving it quick enough, and, t- the, and Fulham were able to sort of uh, get back into shape. And, and uh, obviously, you're relying on little small inches of space to, to thread the ball through and create a chance. And, you know, there were times where our centre-halves and midfielders today, I felt that Fulham were allowing us space on the ball. Uh, they were allowing us like 20 yards of space and we were still sort of trying to play the pass. Whereas in that scenario, like I, when I've been playing football, you know, you're always taught if, if they're standing off you, we'll go and commit one of them and that drags somebody out of space and provides a bit of space for somebody else. And that's what I th- why I think when Minamino came on, that's what he did really well. But can I see him starting in midfield against the Mourinho side when we've got Henderson, Wijnaldum and Jones? Uh, I can't see it personally. But at the same time, if it happened, I wouldn't be furious about it. I'd be excited. Yeah, I can kind of go with that. Yeah, Chief, what do you any advance on the same side? Given given Maddox available. No, if Maddox available, I mean, um, I think I mean I think you would just you would probably just go with the same side. I mean, I I would agree. So say if Maddox not available, then if Maddox not available, do you drop? One of young lads in, or do you move Henderson? And, no, I think you go with Phillips. I don't think you want. I don't personally think he sacrifices Jordan Henderson from the midfield there. No, I don't think so either. To be fair, yeah. If you've if you've already got Fabinho back there, I think you're you're going with Phillips. Um, and I I I agree. I mean, I can certainly see where Andy's coming from with the don't go, don't go. Um, maybe bide your time a little bit. Um. I just one one sort of counterpoint of that is if you get one, the whole their whole game plan changes. It it goes really out the window. So if you score in the first fifteen minutes, there where we're just we we want went one nil on seventy because they want one nil on seventy as well. Like so, there is a little bit like you know you fancy us to score in front of our fans, which is fair enough. And there is a little thing which hasn't actually been mentioned yet about them. Um, what the fuck it's like to play in a, in a stadium where none of your fans are there, but the other team has fans. That's, that's, that's pretty hard. I thought about that earlier on, though. You know, I thought to myself, we're way to Fulham, but nobody. they have 4,000 fans in there or something all screaming for Fulham, and we have not one lad. 
And our and our and our way end is loud. In fact, what you'll find is in away games, it's usually the away ends louder than the home end. Well, I listen. You can you you must have watched as many games now with a few fans in as I have. You all must have. And there was there's been no louder ground than than when we had fans at Anfield. There's no doubt. Like I mean, whether it was to do with the fact that they turned the microphones up or you know, or whether it was just our fans or whatever. But there's been that that's been the most obvious one where the fans were back. So I mean, there's a bit of that. Our our fans will be there, but but I would say that if we um the thing they don't want, the thing Spurs don't want is to go two nil down in the first half an hour. Because then that's it for them. Whereas if they are if they, I think they're happy with nil nil on seventy as well. That's my only thing. So um, while I think we definitely need to be cautious uh, or, or careful and studied, I think, as you mentioned, Dave, we're, we're pretty good at stopping or at um, prevent, yeah, preventing the other team from, from creating attacking chances, from, from counter-attacking on us at home. Um, we're pretty good at preventing chances at home. So if we can if we can get our noses in front a little bit earlier, it sort of takes that pressure off. I. I don't really fancy going in the last fifteen at nil nil. To be to be honest, no, I think that's fair enough. I think <laughs> I think you're both right. To be fair, I think both. I think you might see a turgid, horrible game of football up until seventy because both teams will be happy enough with nil nil at seventy. That's what I'll think. Um, but we'll wait and we'll see. Uh, it's I just I just. I think the first goal, the first goal wins it, and that is why I feel both teams will be very, very cautious until maybe that. It, it's about the first goal. Yeah, it's really all about the first goal. It's going to be so important. Yeah, and I think both teams will realise that, and I think that's why both teams will be happy to be nil nil on seventy. Um, because the last thing I I want to do, even as a spectator, is to watch 80 minutes of us trying to find a goal from somewhere pretty much what we saw today except a team that is properly drilled and properly physical and have absolutely massive lads at the back like massive massive lads at the back and massive lads in midfield so i can't be arsed with that truth be told um chief score prediction <laughs> Fuck, uh, 2 0 Liverpool. Oh, cheeky, cheeky. Andy, score prediction? 1 0 Liverpool in the last 15 minutes. Okay, I will go. You're going to put us through hell, Andy, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, if, I'm, if I want to be the pragmatist, um, I'll say, I actually think this. Will be a nil nil, absolute nil nil bore fest, Bored an absolute roll. bore fest. I think. Would um, you would you take? Would either you take a draw on Wednesday if it meant you got a win against Palace, say you got four points when uh, draw Spurs beat Palace? Would you take that right now? Based on based on how results have gone this season for everybody, then four points in two games sounds all right to me. I think yeah. if you go, I think if you go four points from two games, I think if we can go to on a two point game average from now until February March, when 
you hopefully will have Thiago back when you'll have a fit Oxlade-Chamberlain. When, you know, Jota will be back. Um, you might have Simicus back and you can give boys a rest here and there. You might even get three or four games out of Naby Keita. Who knows? I think no team has shown... Very ridiculous, Dave. Well, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm the, I, I am the... I am the optimist at heart um, and the romanticist at heart. I just feel that we have shown that we can actually cope with an inordinate amount of injuries. I saw Manchester City look like they were they couldn't have scored a goal in the month of Sundays against a terrible United team who were awful at the back. And they still had Foden and Bernardo Silva sitting on the bench and didn't use them. We have we just don't have that luxury, but we're managing to not just keep the pace, but make the pace at the minute, albeit we're second on goal difference. So I'm confident enough, four points in two games for the next two months um, as an average. I, I don't think I can ask for much more than that, given the state of play at the minute and everything we've talked about tonight. And that would, at worst, um, if we did get four points, that would, at worst, keep us a point ahead of City and level on points with Spurs. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not massively concerned if we if we draw the game but until after Spurs it'd be nice to win though it'd be lovely to win and we have a and you know what we've a habit of we've a habit of squeaking over the line against Spurs I was I've actually been at the last two home games um the last game I think they take the lead off a bizarre Kane goal that I think hits the post and then hits him in the face or something and goes in like really in the early first on. Minute or something. Wasn't yeah, it? it's really, really early on. Um, and then Henderson gets one, Salah gets a penalty, and and there we go, happy days. And and both those goals are in the second half. And then the year before that, if I'm right, is the last minute Alder Vierald own goal where it just hits him. Oh. Which was amazing. That was amazing. Bounced out of the ground like never before on that day. Um, oh, here I, I've I've got a story in that one. I was uh, I was in France that year, and literally the Wi-Fi in my flat was shocking. Uh, so I had to watch every game at at, at like a, a wee tiny bar. This fellow was just so uh, so glad from a business that he'd stick the Liverpool game on for me every week, and I'd come in. Uh, but it was always closed on a Sunday, so I had to. Um, I went up to the this sort of quiet, serene. Um, Loire Valley French Park um, with my mate hot spotted it off my phone uh, and was relatively calm for the whole thing but when that goal went in I was just screaming my head off and everyone thought I looked like an absolute tit um, but I'd do it again I'd do it again <laughs> like it was just a great moment wasn't it yeah it was great it was one of those games you walked out of the ground and you just thought that's the sort of thing that that's the sort of thing that happens when you're going to win the league and that's what everybody thought in the bars afterwards. That's the sort of thing that happens when you're going to win the league. Our name's on it, and ultimately it wasn't. But Spurs at home has been a squeak, is my point, the last few years. And I expect it to be even more of a squeak this time around, um, given the main protagonist. So until uh, until we, we'll see you Thursday afternoon-ish, um, when the other lads can dissect whatever trauma unfolds. Um, up the absolutely brutal, maybe good for 10 minutes, Reds. 